Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season two, The Cannamom Show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint. Sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back. So I read this funny story about, before we get into the show, our funny story in the New York Times about what's happening to mar- cannabis legalization and the canine units. Okay. <laughs> the dogs are now going to be allowed to ingest cannabis also? Is that what's happening? Well, no. see, they, they can't retrain them, so they can't stop them from finding cannabis, and they can't find oh. cannabis anymore. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, I, I never understand why dogs... Can actually sniff cannabis. It seems like dogs get. How can dogs sniff bombs? That's the the dog the bomb sniffing dogs. You got the cannabis. They can't train them to sniff for something different. Apparently, you can't retrain them. So I think oh. maybe I was thinking we should like just have like a new campaign in the cannabis world: adopt a canine dog. But then I thought they might go crazy in our houses. So I don't know what the solution yeah, is. Yeah, the but... poor dogs are saying, "My whole life, you've been telling me to sniff for this thing, and now I'm supposed to stop." Yeah. What the narrative was incorrect? How could that be? Yeah. <laughs> Therapies will help them. All right, so that's a totally off-topic. Interesting. Topic. Yeah. All right, so the quilt giveaway was a great success. It's done yeah. by the time the show is out. Waha! You want to hear Joseph's technical? Uh, Joseph's brothers want to please with what they saw. We have never liked him all that much before, and now this coast has gone Never gets old. And so that is the last time you will be hearing that, listeners. Ali Bear, the Canna Canuck. She was the winner. It is the second year in a row a Canadian yeah. Canada mom has won a quilt. So I don't know what's going on up there. Those, those lucky Canadians. <laughs> those lucky Canadians. So yeah. maybe it's cold. They need the quilt. That's good. Know. That's appropriate. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So next season, T-shirt quilt people, season three, we're start sending me your T-shirts and it's going to be a whole nother giveaway, but we are done with the quilt talking for now. So thank you everyone who participated. It was so fun. So you want people to, se- sorry, Joyce, you want people to send T-shirts of like their cannabis connected businesses or could it be anything or what? Oh, definitely. So I would love it. I want it to be the women of cannabis T-shirt right. again. So women businesses, women issues, women Whatever, women and cannabis, whatever you got, send it to me. I got my Elevate Northeast shirt because that's who I was helping to support the uh, event. So I wore that during the um, Instagram video. So that was fun. And that's going to be the first one. And yours could be in it too. So it's like uh, quilts are big now. They're yeah. very trendy because they're so uncool. <laughs> well, and T-shirts, I, I, I think I should. I'm one of these guys that has T-shirts from 1984. And uh, yeah, Griffin, my son's mom, made for him a quilt of the t- his old t-shirts right. to take to college, which I thought was cool, but no one's making one of my t-shirts. I'm going to have to do that on my own. Well, you can hire me. That's how I support the show. That's okay. actually not a joke. Well, I make t-shirt talk. quilts so I can talk about cannabis. Okay. It's a strange connection, but it's true. <laughs> okay. All right. So we have a giant big show today, too. We have a guest and a special guest. We haven't had a special guest in a few weeks. First, just a quick shout out to my local listeners. On June 10th, from 6 to 8.30, there's a Boston Cannabis Network event sponsored by Canna Management and friend of the show, Angela Bradway. I think it's in the seaport. Sorry. Uh, check it out. It should be fun. People are meeting in person in Boston. And in Missouri, at the end of August, I was told about an event at the Four Seasons Lakes of Ozarks, which sounds kind of nice. It's a live trade show called the Grow Trade Fest, highlighting the industry and that part of our country. So there's another one out there. And then the Lake of the Ozarks is not just a place where you go to buy drugs from gangs and shoot people. And oh, sorry. It looked lovely. If you go to the Four Seasons Lakes in the Ozarks. You know? it, is, it is lovely there. But you're familiar with the show, right? Ozark? Yeah, no. But, okay. yes. <laughs> We're trying to reframe the narrative. So yes, I don't know what girly goes out there. Humboldt County's got a whole weird history, too, which is cannabis. And these parts of the country are just they have history. Mm. Okay. One last thing, Clubhouse. So first, you know, I'm obsessed. And if you're interested in the origin story, I just heard a really great interview with the founders on a podcast. So it's a podcast shout out of how I built this is the podcast. They just talked about how these guys met and talked about it and what their idea was and how they created this amazing new um, audio marketing podcast. It's just, it's everything. It's in your head. It's a trans, I think it's transformative. So I think it's an interesting way to connect um, and starting on Wednesday, June 9th from four to five Eastern time, I will be co-hosting a room. We're calling it three can of moms illuminating the way with my friend Dory Wiley and Amy Chin. We are trying to connect ourselves with moms and professionals, professional women on clubhouse who could find value in our unique can of mom insights learned from real life. So we'll be sharing our wisdom and building a collaborative community, one can of story at a time. So please join us starting on Wednesday, June 9th. See where it goes. So that's a lot. Cool. All right. So we have guests. Today's guest has a story that is filled with twists and turns, the sort that encompasses all of my very favorite topics, pot, politics, and religion. She's on the cutting edge of advocacy in her state of New York, but her origin story begins with her roots in the Mennonite community and transitions through so many other communities where cannabis is quite taboo. But here she is today. She is breaking barriers and crushing stigmas with her story of wisdom and persistence and healing. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Penelope Hamilton. Welcome, Penelope. Thank you, Joyce. That was a wonderful introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just have a birthday? I had my notes from one of the last time we talked. 
Yes, my big five O. Oh, <laughs> just on May thirtieth. So oh, good. All right. So happy birthday. So you have a let's you have a big story. So let's start at the beginning, I guess. I mean, you had an unusual childhood. You were quite ill, right? You told me that. So just yes. tell me that small part of your journey and how you got to, you know, sort of how the illness led to, you know, what happened in your young adulthood and how your relationship with cannabis grew from there or didn't grow. Yeah. Yeah. I have always dealt with pain and, you know, an, an illness since I was very young. So school was very difficult. It was as if I was homeschooled, you know, and I hear all these moms, you know, and what they're going through now. And here I actually kind of went through that on my own and, and, and actually chose to do that with my own son too. You know, it, fast forward, we found out now it, it is an autoimmune disease that I have. It's rheumatoid arthritis, but it's a complicated type that's called Sjogren's syndrome. But, you know, when it was misdiagnosed throughout the years, that was very difficult. And so, it, so this my, my, my um, listeners are grounded. So what, how were you grow brought up? What was your family's faith? And how, we, you know, how did you, how, what was your relationship to cannabis or even medications? Or how did they see your illness at that time? Sure. You know, growing up, pretty typical family. And just raised Presbyterian, actually not Mennonite. I actually joined that on my own. Oh, that was later. Sorry. Okay. Yes. No, I know that all the twists and turns. Turns, yep. You know, so went through high school, kind of got labeled, dealt with a lot of, you know, depression and such, got labeled with fibromyalgia. Right. Um, And that's a big one now. There's so much pain and there's no way to figure out what it is. And women keep being told they're being hysterical and it's not real, so... Sure. And, you know, and back then this was an 89, you know, the big thing was just give you antidepressants, you know, work yourself out of it. This is what it's caused from. There's no real cause, you know, so I was one of the first generations thrown on Prozac. And I don't know if anybody's old enough to recall, but with young women, one of the big problems was you got suicidal and had things happen to you that normally weren't already happening. So it actually made my case worse. I went off to art school and just couldn't handle that pressure, the illness, you're taking your meds, you're not. And that was probably my first exposure to seeing pot or weed or cannabis. Okay. Never touched it growing up. Taboo. I was a, a dare kid, Nancy Reagan kid, petrified I, I, so, of it. So funny. I hear so many of these stories. You ladies, you're a little bit younger than me. So you're about six years younger. There's this whole generation of women a little bit younger than me who are like scared, scared yes. by that dare program and like are now in the industry. <laughs> or they had parents, or they had parents who were, you know, probably, you know, who had come back from Vietnam, and they could see that their fathers usually were using this to help them medicate. But then they would go to school and hear these stories, these horror stories, and couldn't reconcile it in their brain. So you bought into that. I bought into it too. So yeah. Oh yeah, I did. I was the, the stigma, and I went hand in hand. So that was not ever an option or anything I looked at and thought I was a good kid because I only drank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. But, you know, I got married very young and wanted to get away. And in the military, it was actually military. My ex-husband was was in the Air Force. So that took me on another twist and turn and was exposed to homeschooling and moms and very fundamental Christianity. So I got involved. Actually, that was my first, you know, involvement there. But again, it just frustrated at not being able to you know, be competent like other women and be able to work and do things because this illness would always creep up and just put me down. So basically, so here you are, you're a young, youngish, you're a young mom, actually, a very young mom, right? And you're having a lot of pain and you're in a military and community. Yes. Cannabis is obviously very taboo. Yeah. You are on other medications and you've seen it, but it's not something part of your lifestyle. And did you 
have any sense that it could be healing or was it just something that you saw other people doing? Not yet. No, absolutely not. You know, and that all that marriage um, failed, went home to mom and dad. You know, my parents were always very caring and taking care of me, but I did get remarried when my son was five. And in that situation, I knew, oh, I want to homeschool. I want to have this, you know, beautiful Christian little family. And that's when I got involved with the Mennonite. So definitely not going to go into that, you know, that realm of alternative uh, medicine, such as cannabis. And, and that was pretty unheard of back then too. Right. Um, so, the, you know, kind of homesteading and farm life and, you know, really. And, are you in upstate New York? Are you doing us in New York? Where are you? Yes, upstate okay. New York. Uh, and that's where you still are, right? You're still up there? Uh, yeah, now I'm over on the western side near Buffalo, but okay. at this time, uh, this was in the Finger Lakes area. Oh, pretty okay. So, yeah. and I've never, you know, I'm choking through this because I never tell my own story. I, I yeah, never no, yeah. hear about me. I just talk about, you know, what I'm. I doing. know we're going to get to your advocacy, but we need to know why you're even. We need to know what the foundation is of why you're actually oh. doing what you're doing. So yeah. you got to get there. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big bite for me to take. To take so. Anyways, during that period, so, you know, we're looking at 30s, getting towards 40 years old, and my illness So the religion is really a serious part of your life at this point. This is, oh, yeah. You know, you're in this very strong community. You have, you're married. You're with a ch- yes. child. And what was your relationship with sort of traditional medicine? Were you sort of pulling away at all? Or are you still doing the, well, how are you healing yourself? How are you taking care of yourself? Or you? Um, you know, we were very holistic in belief and, you yeah. know, whole foods and such, but nothing too out of the ordinary. So still mm-hmm. your basic Western medicine. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was a very conservative church. We, we did have electricity. We did have a vehicle, but the type of vehicle and what you allowed in your home was very strict. So no mm-hmm. television, no radio, no music, no recorded. So it gave up everything, really did. You know, looking back, I know a lot of it had to do with searching for that acceptance because I was the oddball and never feeling you know, like I had a place or a home because of being different and being ill, but my illness just really went downhill. I was taking all these pharmaceuticals. The pain had gotten overwhelming. You know, it was hard for me to sit in church. You know, I was starting to get the pressure, peer pressure, if that that might sound odd, but you know, church was everything. You had to be there Wednesday night, Sunday night, Sunday morning. Then there was committees. Then there was the sewing, you know, committees. And I was ahead of one of those. And it just pounded you and you had the youth events and your children and teaching and oh so I couldn't keep up and I was you know a lot of years went through we've got 16 years got piled on of opiates you know I had a lot of deaths in there so you know grief and dealing with that and anxiety so then they start medicating that right you know in the depression so then they started medicating that part so, so you're only in your, I mean, you're only in your thirties or forties. How old are you at this point? Yes. You're still young. Yeah. So that was, you know, by 45 years old or so I was bedridden, not really walking. My joints were just freezing up my spine. And then it, that's where I reached about 16 years of all those, you know, dangerous men, medications, the benzodiazepines. I was, we had a, a bed that I, we had to set up so that my husband could just get the Vicodin in me, had to, you know, took about 40 minutes before I could move and get into the recliner. I just gave up, you know, I lost my mom. She was my best friend. I just, I didn't really see anything worth living for other than my child, but it was so painful to be alive. I I was just done. And somebody reached out to me with an alternative, another mom. (laughs) So so what year are we at? We're like 2015, 2000. 
Like, yeah, well, about right at the end of 2015. Yeah. 2015. Okay. Yes. So 2015, where things are starting to change in terms of, I mean, for me, my own cannabis awakening was 2016. So, yes, I think okay. I started to learn about it online a little yeah. bit. So it wasn't a total shock. And I think the programs were starting in my state for medical a little bit. I didn't really have anything to lose. And the church life had gotten so bad. We actually left, you know, we left that, which was hard because you sort of lose all your, go ahead. Yeah. You're like losing everything. I mean, that's hard. I mean, you're, you've given up. I mean, it it allowed you to walk through a door. You might not have walked through that pain and that suffering, but that's a lot to give up. Oh, it is. Well, you know, I lost friends and family, honestly, when you join something like that. And then when I left that community, that was everything. So then I, I, so then you really feel isolated and that's when it was such, such a desolation, you know, a place to be that was dark, but it actually was, it was a school a uh, young woman I graduated with, it was her mom. She had passed away in her 30s from a uh, terrible bout with cancer. Mm-hmm. I lost my mom. I needed a mom. And, oh. you know, I can never replace her daughter. But, you know, seeing somebody who, you know, that was in need, she reached out. And giving what you had. That's amazing. That's, yeah. So you reached yeah. out to her or she reached out to you? How did that work? So she reached out to me. She saw that I was just going down and she was just, you know, coming to life again from, you know, coming out of her deepest grief right? and offered an edible to me, honey. She said, we got to get you off of that, those pharmaceuticals. We got to do something. And she just never gave up on me. And she was a a hard ass mom too. (laughs) And so I just find that's, I mean, again, so we hear these stories of coming to cannabis as a little a last resort. I mean, this is literally your last resort. Like you had pretty much given up everything and then found cannabis, which seems so tragic that those 16 years went by and this plant <laughs> existed. So, all right. So you had, the, so what was it? What, what happened the first time you tried it? Did you actually feel like a little relief or did you, something you didn't oh, expect? I, it was something I didn't expect. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I mean, it was very sedating, really. I think yeah. I slept a lot, but they were these little chocolate infused blueberries that they were smuggling in from California. These oh mosh. Um, it's kind of hysterical now to look back. And I just replaced my dose of Vicodin with this little blueberry. You know, I started out with just replacing one dose. And then I, after a couple of weeks, I started replacing my afternoon dose and then eventually... Wow. And it only took one month and I was completely off of all the Vicodin. And that was January, 2016. And I've never had another opiate since. Wow. All right. So these are like the miracle stories that you hear, but the, and they're also kind of crazy stories because you were doing this on your own. Did you have any medical help? No, absolutely not. It was hush, hush. Don't tell anybody, you know, wondering if I was ever going to get my medicine again, but I just came to life. I mean, it just, it gave me hope again. I wanted to live. I wanted to learn everything I could about this plant, this herb. And I was the type, I was already grinding grain, you know, before I'd gotten ill for making my own wheat flour for bread. So I wasn't afraid to work with herbs or anything. I I just, you know, this was a completely new area for me. So I just devoured the internet and learned what everything I could and learned from a lot of other women and, and uh, moms. <laughs> All right. So, this, so now we're coming up to what she really does. So, so you <laughs> <laughs> it takes, you know, and I tell these stories a lot, but I don't even understand if you aren't living through this, I'm not sure people can understand how this is seriously 
has become a medication of last resort in so many situations and why people like you and people like me and women across the country are advocating to make it as part of your options. It shouldn't be so scary. Mm-hmm. And that with education, you know, for the patient and the doctors, we're kind of how help sort of normalize this. So, so now you are coaching health and wellness. I mean, basically, so you can have someone that you didn't have. Is that how you're, I've heard you say that. Yes. Yeah. I do. I definitely wanted to be, become that woman that I could have used and didn't have, you know, as far as learning what to do with the herb, you know, and support <laughs> systems. So. All right. So you, you find this healing product, you have this transition, you learn everything that you can. I kind of joked that I did that too. I had giant sticky notes all over my room. I was making <laughs> notes all day and my husband would come home and I'd be like, did you know this? Did you? <laughs> yes. And then you became, I mean, now you're working, you're advocating, right? You're part of, you know, New York policy work. Are you doing that as well? Yes, I got, yeah. I got, so New York state was just coming into wanting to legalize. It was about, you know, three years ago and they started having listening sessions set up by, you know, the legislature to hear across the state. Okay. And I was appalled that I had to be illegally healed. And people should have this as an option and that I couldn't get what I needed in the New York state medical program. Cause I had learned anonymous trim bags of trim would just appear in my life. So I learned to make my own oils and gummies and I had never smoked, you know, I'd never even seen a cannabis bud back then still at that point, never knew anything about joints, how to roll one or even what flower looked like, you know, other than the photos. I was using these giant bags of trim, my crock pot, my, you know. Oh, is that really? So maybe, maybe, can we go back to that? That's kind of funny. So you obviously know how to make food and <laughs> take care of yourself because you're, you know, so how did you figure this out? How did you figure out how to use this herb? And what, you know, now they have all sorts of fancy contraptions. I literally just gave away a decarboxylate for my quilt giveaway. You know, there's a big thing about how you use this herb to cook or infuse. So what were you doing and how did you figure that out? I, I do find this fascinating. And how did you figure out a dose? Like, how do you even know what you're taking? Right. You don't, of course. It's all true. You know, you're your own tester. You're your own lab. So, you know, that was the big thing on, so it was Facebook groups to answer your, you know, big question. Facebook groups, there were just women sitting in there, mainly women. You know, you guys are great, but it was seemed to be these women who were just trailblazing, okay, and and really reaching out and helping each other without reservation. So I learned I was, you know, right right in these little groups, you know, and people are putting pictures and a text and then sharing links and just finding out that way. So I would just learn to make that in, and I still prefer the crock pot. <laughs> That's so, funny. so basically you're just, you're like dosing. Did you have at any point, did you bring it to a lab to actually find out what, you know, what the dosage oh, you were no. taking? Or you just were like kind of listening to your own body and being like, whatever that was, it worked. No, there's, yeah, there's no labs available in our state to use. And I never, you know, eh, there's some connections I could probably do, but you know, that's it's not really legal to be able to do out of state. So with federal laws, but anyway, I just tried trial and error and, you know, having those California blueberries with a dosage on there, you know, I could compare and I knew I was probably making, you know, something that was half as strong, you know, so I kind of would guess on the milligrams. It's math people too. (laughs) All right. So just in terms of your business, so are you working with local? I mean, I think this is something that needs to happen across the country, women connecting with women, which is part of the whole clubhouse idea of just reaching women directly. Mm -hmm. So how are you reaching the people that you know need you or how are they finding you and how are you working with people? Yeah. So when I said I got involved with Facebook groups, 
I decided to become that mentor as well. So I started answering questions, speaking to women, telling them, you know, because years have gone by now. So I'm learning so much. and I want to share that knowledge. I got noticed by the cannabis community, and that's an actual organization. It's the cannabiscommunity.org. So they were like, who are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but thank you. You're helping so many people. They pulled me in. I just started as a moderator, then an administrator in their, in their groups. And they're multi-state. So they had like, you know, five, six state groups. So, you know, that was my break into the industry was coming on board with them. I decided to go to school, got certified as that health and wellness coach because I wanted to be able to combine nutrition and mindset and coaching and know how to really counsel and talk to people. And then on the side, locally, I'd gotten involved, like I said, with with speaking with the legislature and explaining to them what it's like for a 45 year old woman who doesn't who shouldn't have to be afraid of going to jail for something they can't get in their state or in their own medical program. Our medical program does not or did not allow flower. So my big thing was to go out there and fight for the whole plant. I believed in full spectrum, the entourage effect, whole plant medicine, and that making your medicine can be some of the best medicine and also healing for the person, you know, to have that part in your own experience and growth is huge. So, so are they listening? Are the New York guys listening? <laughs> yes, yes. It, you know, it's been a hard fight and a long fight. I got involved with Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Today, I'm the um, executive director of a chapter out in Western New York near Buffalo and work with Empire State Normal. And we are now legalized in New York State for adult use with Yay. Home Grow. <laughs> Yes. So not only can patients now grow and they'll get their flower, that we can also, you know, any adult who wishes to can. So that was a huge win. You know, the fight for marijuana justice and, you know, social equity continues. And that's something that we need to hold them accountable to as we move forward. Oh, I love that your voice is in this fight. You can't, I can't even tell you how happy that makes me. I mean, I do talk about all the time that Who's whispering in the ears of our legislature? That is what's going to get written into law. If it's just big business, that's how it's going to go down. But the ladies are stepping up. And I, I think people are surprised at how few voices you really need to influence people, but you need to be a collective. So yeah. thank you for speaking out. We are going to be back on the other side with my guest, Penelope Hamilton. But before that, we actually going to talk to our special guest, Brooke Westlake, after we talk a little bit about cannabis accounting. It's a thing. Small business planning on growing you need clarity in your bookkeeping. At Simply J Bookkeeping and Consulting, their unique approach to servicing their clients is going to help you. Simply J's founder, Jillian Johnson, had a vision for a one-stop shop for bookkeeping, accounting, compliance, and managerial services for small to medium-sized businesses that welcomed welcomes holistic organizations, including cannabis. And she's manifested that vision into a reality because that is what women and cannabis do. So if you're looking for clarity with how well your company is operating or have pain points that need to be resolved or are looking for trusted guidance in making the decisions necessary to grow your organization and increase profits, you need to speak to Jillian and our team today. Discovery calls are free and you're guaranteed to learn something new when you approach your business with the same present and open mind we are learning to find in other parts of our lives through cannabis. Please contact Jillian at simplyjconsulting at gmail.com or text her at 508-245-6019. 
to set up a discovery session and get your business clarity in 2021 because life is about balancing. Why not partner with those who do it best? Jay Jillian. Before we get back to Penelope, we have my new friend Brooke Westlake here to talk a little bit about her conference coming up in September. I'm going to be there, people. It's the Women Cannabis Expo in Reno. And go. Hi, Brooke. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Joyce. Hi. Thank you for having me. Um, so just tell us a little bit. We've just, we talked a bit a couple of weeks ago. I'm excited to come out. I know some of my Canadian friends are coming out. Just give a lowdown of um, how this came to be and what to expect. Yes. Yeah, so Penelope touched on something really cool when you guys were talking and she was talking about labs. So I came to be in this business after a 20 year stint in healthcare and I'm opening a cannabis lab. And as I was going through the process and really wanting to engage with more women, I found that there was no expo for women. I had been at a big conference and they had a woman's night, but they, that was it. So I just started kind of looking into it and I just said, wow, like this needs to happen. And I literally just launched both companies at the same time. I told the investors like, hey, there's no expo for women. I did trade shows for 10 years. I want to onboard this with the lab. And they said, fantastic, go for it. And as I began to research everything and engage with more women. Uh, the call to action was really there. Women were saying, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. Can I come? I want to be on board. I met you through your Canada friends and you're on board and I'm just super, super excited. So we're ramping up. We're looking at being sold out by the end of July. And our first expo, of course, was supposed to happen last year, but did not because of COVID. That's okay. We're moving forward this year. And it will be September the 27th through the 29th at the Atlantis Hotel and Casino in Reno, Nevada. So three days of amazing female women speakers in all realms of business and cannabis, and including myself. I'm going to talk about labs and, and the difficulties, the struggle with opening a lab and the, the capital needed. But we're just so excited to have everybody come and attend. And we're looking at double and triple numbers for next year. So we're just happy that we're getting off the ground and it's going to be a sold out show. We're very excited. Woohoo! Because we can't own the business if we don't know each other. So women come together and then we'll build That's our right. own world. Because what do I always say, Dave? You can join us. Another shot at the token mail on the show. Thanks. <laughs> you do it so well. <laughs> and you do it with a smile, as I always say to us. <laughs> we do have a male speaker coming. Oh, He's do? a young man that actually... You know, I've had email inquiries from men saying, can I come to this expo? I know it's geared towards women. And I say, everybody's welcome. I mean, we're really trying to uplift women. But at the end of the day, there have been men in this business for a long time that they can give us some business advice, expertise, point us in some different directions. We have a young male speaker coming. I believe he's about 25, just published his first book. He is presenting on, he had a lot of difficulty in school and learning disabilities. And his parents took it upon themselves to introduced cannabis into his lifestyle and that really changed for him and so he's speaking on the part of being the child who the parents gave the cannabis to and how that affected him I think I love this topic I've had a bunch of many of the moms will talk about this how their kids know more than they did obviously and I had these two moms who were talking about their kids who are a little bit younger but they know when they get to high school that if some kid comes up to them is like hey you want to smoke a joint they're going to be like, well, is it an indica or sativa? Or like, what's the, what's the terpene profile? Because I have a test later. <laughs> <It'll be> so... <laughs> and the, the moms are going to be so proud. So these, you know, wow. these, it's changing the narrative. It's just changing culture. I, I don't even know what culture is. It's around us and we don't see it. And this hundred years of prohibition have really created a culture that's uh, kind of toxic. So we're changing it, right? 
I agree with that. And I can um, back that up by saying, you know, I grew up in the D.A.R.E. program and cannabis was no, no, no. It was a, a gateway drug to everything. And my actual education, my bachelor's and master's are in criminal justice. But interesting enough, at the university level, the one that I went to was a top tier three in University of Nevada, Reno. They talk about that we have overpopulated our prisons due to cannabis charges and that we need to reform that. So that's part of this whole process, too. Not only engaging in new businesses and supporting women and other entities, but we also have another issue that needs to be in the legislator ears about reducing those, you know, these people need to come out of prison. They don't need to be there. This should never have been a legalized, you know, stage one drug on their schedule. It needs to come off the schedule of narcotics. Everything. So again, cannabis, criminal justice, cosmetics, it's everybody. We need all of you. That is my message that whatever your skill set it is in the world, cannabis has it. It might be a little upside down, but it's specialized and we need your, we just need you. So anyone listening, check out the conference. I'll be there in Reno. I'm excited to travel and yeah, it's going to be good. And I'm going to see everybody. Leave them? Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Can I leave them the website? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was gonna wait a minute. Just a minute. I'll let, yeah. let you give a close out. All right, so I'll be there. I'll be with my Canadian Canamom friends. I know there's gonna be other networks of women I've been seeing online for the past 15, 18 months or so. We're gonna see each other in person. All my clubhouse friends, we're gonna have to wear our pictures because we're not gonna recognize each other. And it's gonna be awesome. Okay, so Brooke, just give us one more time the name of the conference, the dates, and how they can find out about it. Yes. So the name of the conference is the Woman in Cannabis Expo. If they Google it, it's the first one that pops up and they can go to womanincannabisexpo.com. That's the website. They can email me directly at womanincannabisexpo at yahoo.com. And then our business line, they can call us any day, 775-800-1414, or they can always text me at 775-771-1431 a lot all right and you know it'll all be in the notes because that's what i like to do okay thank you so much brooke i'm looking forward to meeting you in person too okay back with penelope so in our last few minutes let's talk about new york that's going to change everything so i'm in massachusetts the east coast it's the next big wave we look very different from california they have their own messy issues (laughs) (laughs) yeah they can keep them (laughs) they can keep them so again women influencing how this is going to look you know, Massachusetts, we were early adopters and we do have some rules that make cannabis seem like it's plutonium, although we have been sort of changing that over the pandemic. So the home grow is so important. Let's start there. I actually just started growing my own cannabis plants. I am no green thumb. So this has been a big deal. And it's, I can see how you can get very connected to it and how this is your medicine. You would feel like maybe that's actually healing you because you're giving to your plant. So can we talk about home grow? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And it was so important for us to really fight for that in the state. You know, it was like to throw it all in. We said we want it for everyone. That was what our MRTA, our Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, had written in. But we were just hoping that in the end that the medical patients would get it. But for everyone to have access now in that way is just amazing. And it is very it is very healing. You know, I know a lot of the veterans over at Nanda Farms, we have a wonderful person over there who's... I'm going to draw blanks on their names, but, you know, our program where veterans are actually growing with hemp, you know, and learning in that sense, which it's just amazing because it is such a healing process to connect with your medicine as well. And then if, you know, not everyone is, this is one thing we tried to teach the the government, not everybody's going to want to grow. So don't panic, you know, and it's not, 
always this. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's rocket science, but there is a lot of learning curves there, you know, to be able, you're not going to get, you know, a maple tree size, you know, plant out in your yard and, you know, 10 pounds off a plant when we try to explain them, hey, a beginner who's got an auto plant indoors is lucky they're going to get three ounces, you know, off of the whole plant, you know, in the end. So, you know, it's just educating everyone, not just the the consumer, the patient. Actually, can I ask what, what was the, what was the, yeah, so what were the people making the policy? What were their concerns about people home growing arguments? Well, you know, a lot of it all revolves around money. So, you know, the big players are saying, no, you can't let them grow because then they're not going to buy from us. Well, that's just ridiculous because there's so many different varieties and forms that you can go buy. And you can grow Uh, your own tomatoes and you still buy them at the supermarket, people. It's like, that's a silly argument. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You know, but that was a lot of it. Okay. It's just kind of silly things, just the fear that the black market, you know, that the legacy side, that legacy market was going to continue or flourish or be even worse. And we said, well, if you overtax it, I guarantee you're going to grow the legacy market. Right. Um, you know, so that was a huge issue, too, is how are they going to tax it? What is that going to look like? You know, but explaining to them that, look, guys, this is already happening. It's already happening in your yards and it already has been. Cannabis is not something new. We're just talking about it, you know, and that's where I came into as somebody who had no clue, learned what was going on, learned about those prisons, who was sitting in there, who were the targets. And I'm just that type of person. If I, you know, I, I heard those wrongs, there's no way I could just be quiet after that. Amazing. Uh, they're they're going to have to get the earful because it's not right that you can allow me to medicate with it. And then again, you know, if my sister over here, her skin is dark. And you're going to go after her and try to ruin her life. And there's generations of this happening. No, we're not do we're not playing that game anymore. And I just refuse to quit. And I know a okay, lot of wonderful that is, that is, that's that's the power of vulnerability and strength. That's what women bring. I think that's what we've been missing all these years. That you know, we share each other's stories and cannabis moms are just, you know, they just keep going when they have an issue or they need to protect somebody. I think that's I think that's the root of almost everyone I've spoken to, if they've cared for themselves or cared for someone they love, and it is you can't help it anymore. You just, it's like, it's in you now. There's no way you can stop this. It's not, it's like a force beyond you. So it is. I, I just, I think it's so powerful. And so let's just get back to New York. I know things are changing. What do you think is going to be the biggest issue with opening dispensaries or getting, I maybe to make it smaller. So I know here in Massachusetts, one of the issues is dispensaries just aren't that welcoming to women. They're starting to, you know, we have the medical dispensaries. Originally you had to like show two forms of ID and the door was unmarked and you had to go into a chamber and there was a security guard and then you had to go inside and Mm. it just wasn't that welcoming. So are similar, is that how it looks in New York? Are they kind of being more open? I know in Vegas, they're more like at a shopping mall. You could just walk in and check in. So do you know what the regulations are looking like for New York dispensaries? I think they're going to be very friendly because we're going to, we also have a consumption lounge licensing. Oh, you do? Oh, Oh, yeah. So, I mean, New York wants to be a leader now. It's just that, that we were trying to put it off until we could do it the right way. So, you know, our bill has been there for oh gosh, over six years sitting there. I've been involved in this fight for, uh, you know, over three. And we actually fought against them legalizing at, at one point because we, like I said, we want it done right. It had to have the social justice pieces involved. Right. So, oh yes, we've got 
all different licenses, micro licenses. We're going to make sure there's social equity licensing available and then, you know, incubator programs and grants to go out there to help people get, you know, into the industry and craft grow and all these different, you know, small licenses. So I think it'll be very friendly. Right now it's very you know, it was very cold and sterile. And I got to be honest, I never really used the dispensaries much that we have. So that's a change. And then just, I I was talking to a woman in Pennsylvania last week, and she was talking about working with legislation, but you're dealing with the Republicans and the Democrats, because this is something that health and wellness captures both sides. And I always say, like, I play tennis, I wear pearls, I like talking municipal law, this is really how I approach things. And that she had the same approach as well, and was you know, part of the cannabis community, but was really trying to reach over to the Republicans and they were starting to co-sponsor some of the legislation. So do you see that happening in New York as well? Yes. I mean, it's definitely seems to go down, down the middle of the the line, you know, on either side, you can, you know, it's that bipartisan issue where you can have people supporting and definitely seeing, and a lot of the Republicans were always, well, I see the need on the medical side, you know, but they could never see the adult use, you know, so just really trying to explain and show the numbers. Of course, the it's a lot of fear mongering. Oh, yeah. the children, what will happen to the children? Always, I always say this because I was a family law attorney. It's always about the children, the children, the children, the children, but no one ever protects the children. So we are protecting the children because we are protecting the moms. That's our message that, you know, if moms feel good, they can take care of themselves and they can take care of who needs to be taken care of. And if moms are scared or aren't capable of caring for people, the whole world implodes. So, and we keep depending on moms for free give us our cannabis at least, you know, Uh, yeah, (laughs) you know, but as soon as we can just keep this conversation going so that we can educate, you know, that stigma kept everything quiet. How do we take care of youth and, and adults even too, but children, we need to educate. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about safety because it's going to be out there and it was before Mm -hmm. and they didn't know the safety and now, okay, you know, least you're going to be monitoring by looking at ID, you're going to, you know, it's going to be actually a little bit more difficult, you know, when we've got statistics, we've seen how it works in other states. So there's safety provision. And you know, and you know what you're consuming. That's the other big thing. Yes. Yes. That was amazing. All right. New York advocacy, New York, this is coming. I'm like, I'm following this. So keep up your good work. You know, we need your bossy voice and the ears of the politicians. So they know to do the right thing. Cause this is a you know, you only get one chance. We never get to be part of something new. This is something new and we're going to help build it in a way that reflects good values. So that's great. So for my guest today, Penelope Hamilton and our special guest, Brooke Westlake. Penelope, how do they get in touch with you and they want to reach you, connect with you? I know you're all over the social media. Yes. If you want to email me, it's Penelope at thecannabiscommunity.org. And you can visit our website. It's thecannabiscommunity.org. And I'm the um, you know, director of community engagement. So we need to get your voice somewhere. I can help you do that as well and just connect you with industry and other people for support. So Excellent. thank you so much. Thank you so much, Penelope. I've been waiting to share your story. You talked a long time ago. So I'm glad I got you here after the New York is, you know, the, the regulations are starting to go into effect. So your voice is impacting this. So everyone in New York who's listening, reach out and thank Penelope. I want to thank my Canterbro, David. Yes, we didn't abuse you too much today, Dave. No, it's just the usual. <laughs> it's the normal, the normal standards. I want to thank the Canamom Show social media team, Catherine and Hayden. What a wonderful week we had with the quilt giveaway. You did so much work, so many posts, so many people connected. So I just appreciate everybody who um, supported this and Elevate Northeast. Of course, we're supporting them. 
And I do want to give a special shout out to my niece, Maddie, who made the video. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, check it out on Instagram and YouTube. I want to thank Josh Lampkin and Bella Jaffe for writing and performing the Canon Mom theme music and Josh Lampkin for writing the original music in my Instagram. See, I don't have to pay. If you create a musician, you'd have to pay for um, copyright stuff. Right? That's right. Yeah, pay it forward. Okay, uh, I want to thank, uh, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canon Mom Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one canna story at a time. Please follow the Canon Mom Show on social media and subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. I am your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Canon Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.